which MCU film is the best? Let's fight about it. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Daryl Smith. On today's podcast, Megan Salinas from the No Love Lost podcast, among other excellent things, and Mike Emke from the Mighty Marvel Geeks podcast joined Sandra Demas and I to determine the best MCU film. This is episode four in our special Marvel Cinematic Universe series, all leading up to Avengers Endgame. If you missed last week's episode, the evolution of Thor throughout the MCU with Helen O'Hara from the Empire podcast, be sure to check it out on our podcast feed or on the blog at thestorygeeks.com. And don't miss next week's show as we dig deeper into Captain Marvel with Marie Claire from the What the Force podcast. So make it easy on yourself by subscribing to the Story Geeks podcast on your preferred podcast provider. Also at thestorygeeks.com, you can find blogs from Ashley Pauls and Anthony Holder, as well as links to our aftercasts. What is an aftercast? It's the podcast we record right after this one that's published exclusively for our Patreon supporters. On today's aftercast, you will hear my take on the best MCU film, as well as Jay Shear will come back and join us for the aftercast and give us his take. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch more fun MCU stuff, so check that out. Become a Patreon supporter for $2 a month or more, and you'll unlock access to all of our aftercasts. Stay tuned. We'll be thanking all of our Patreon supporters by name at the end of the show. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. It's time for a nerd fight. All right, we are going to argue the best MCU film. This feels a tad bit like a futile effort since Endgame is coming out in two and a half weeks as we're sitting here doing this, but we're going to do it anyway. So I hope you guys are ready. Let me introduce our fighters for today's nerd fight. We have returning guest Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. How yeah. are we doing tonight? Silver Screams YouTube channel, Rooster Team Radio podcast, No Love Lost podcast. Uh, yeah, I do a bunch of stuff on the internet. Uh, Silver Screams is my YouTube channel where we talk uh, all things horror movies. And Rooster Team Radio is where me and my Rooster Team cohorts talk about uh, productions by the company Rooster Teeth. So that's Red versus Blue coverage, Ruby, uh, Gen Lockdown uh, we did recently, which is a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, No Love Lost is a Lost retrospective podcast that I do with my cohort, Will Link. Uh, he loves Lost, and I don't. And we talk about it. <laughs> and it gets ugly. <laughs> so far, not not too bad. That's good. Because, That's good. We uh, don't we, want ugly. We just finished season one, so I'm actually I actually had a great time. So the finale is a long ways away. It's still. a long <laughs> way away, but that's basically what prompted it. They were, we were just like, he loves the way it ended. I don't, and we were just like, we, we gotta talk about this. <laughs> I don't know if our Fair friendship enough. will survive the podcast, though. We'll see. Time well, will tell. Good luck. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then we also have joining us Mike Emke from the Mighty Marvel Geeks podcast. Mike, welcome to the show. First time. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Tell us about your show and where people can find it. Uh, well, Mighty Marvel Geeks is where we talk about everything DC comic. Wait, what? Huh? Huh? What? <laughs> what? No, we talk. We talk Jacques. everything Marvel. Um, originally, when we started the show, it was uh, we just kept to the MCU, what was Disney owned, because the show also airs as a internet radio show on a Disney internet radio station. And then when I saw Marvel themselves do something with Spider-Man, I'm like, okay. All that's off the table. We cover everything. So we were covering X-Men and Spider-Man and the Fantastic Flop while uh, <laughs> other 
Marvel shows weren't. So cool. Um, but I also run two other shows. I run Weeby Geeks and Wookie Radio as well. You're a busy man. And normal 40-hour work week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. Well, thanks. You guys have quite a challenge ahead of you because fighting against you is my fantastic co-host, Sandra Demas. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Are you ready to fight? Maybe. I'm kind of a pacifist, but, we'll, you know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um Really quickly before we dive in, let's just find out really fast what you guys are arguing for. So, Mike, what movie are you arguing for today? I have gone with Captain America, First Avenger. All right. Megan? I'm going to bat for uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And Sandra, Civil War? Three three feet? No? (laughs) Not so much? Okay. That would be incredible. (laughs) I know, right? I am going with Infinity War. Infinity War. War. A different war. Okay. Mm -hmm. At least it's still a war. Uh, Okay. Let's dive in. Let me tell you how this guy's wor- <laughs> Let me tell you guys how this works. <laughs> Here's how the nerd fights work. We will have three rounds of competition. For each round, you guys will have three minutes to give um, one reason why your film is the best. Um, and then after all three fighters have given that reason, you will each be given one minute to rebut against the other two. And then at the end of each, each round, there are three points up for grabs. The best argument gets two points. The second best argument gets one point. Third best, big fat goose egg. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, We'll try not to take it too personally. Exactly. So there's a total of nine points up for grab across all three rounds. At the end of the three rounds, the top two competitors are going to go on to a final head-to-head round to determine the winner based on a question that I will ask you that you are not ready for. Ooh. uh Uh-oh. Makes sense? Everybody ready to go? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Now I'm nervous. Now you're nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize there was going to be a pop quiz at the end. There will be a pop quiz. <laughs> we'll take a brief break and give you a few minutes to prepare for it. But Ooh, Final Jeopardy style. Exactly, I like it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sandra's going to hum the music in the background. So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, let's dive in. I'm going to put three minutes on the clock, and Megan, you're going to start us off. So give us your first argument for Captain America the Winter Soldier. Captain America the Winter Soldier is the perfect balance of MCU sort of, I won't call it fan service, but MCU story qualities, but also standalone story qualities. It's that perfect balance where it stands as an an excellent entry into the MCU, but also stands on its own as an individual film. And not just that, an individual spy thriller, which you throw in an extra genre. It's a genre film in the MCU and I think it's kind of the first one that actually went the genre film route which we'll see more and more of that as time goes on Um, but this was the first one to really sort of stick to its guns in that way regard it has a low barrier for entry and what I mean by that is you don't have to do a lot of homework in order to get it you don't need to see Captain America the first Avenger or even the Avengers to understand the events that are being presented to you they go over all of that information really seamlessly and they it doesn't feel like bogged down exposition either there are some mcu movies where in order to catch up the audience who might have missed a couple movies where it really feels like they're shoehorning in exposition they don't really do that here it all feels natural and it all feels seamless um 
So not only that, not only do you not have to do any additional assignments uh, to get the movie, but if you have been putting in the ho- in the work, it actually enhances the MCU on multiple platforms. Not only is it a great movie, but it also enhances the viewing experience of television shows in the MCU, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. The events of Winter Soldier irrevocably change what's going on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And guys, I don't know if you watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, It's still on and it's still fantastic, (laughs) but the events of Winter Soldier turned it from a good show that like had some kind of fun episodic things going from from week to week into a great serialized show. It was an incredible transformation and Winter Soldier was the catalyst for that. So not only that, it it not only did it lay the foundation for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. jumping off and becoming a great show, but it sets the foundation for everything that happens in the MCU going forward without falling into the Age of Ultron trap of it feeling too forced, where it feels like it's all set up and no payoff. Everything that happens in Winter Soldier is self-contained and yet acts as the basis for everything to come afterwards. All right. With five seconds to spare, well done. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Mike, we are going to go with you next, so give us your opening argument for the first Avenger. First Avenger. Well, one, is a period piece based around World War II that happens to have a superhero in it. We have a character who goes from zero to hero, become the icon for the war, so to speak, but it eventually becomes the icon for superheroes. I mean, it acknowledges the comic roots while embracing a modern aesthetic and, and how can you not bypass the Howling Commandos? I mean, this is a movie that begins everything for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, we did have a few movies before, but this is where everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe begins. If it wasn't for Captain America, I think the move with the Tesseract and the introduction of it and everything event-wise that happens afterwards would not be the same. If we didn't have Captain America First Avenger, we wouldn't get to Winter Soldier and the role Bucky plays as the Winter Soldier going from First Avenger, where his roots is essentially kind of start in the First Avenger. Um, with the with First Avenger, it, it's you, you see that dedication of I'm here to serve my country, but I'm also here to serve mankind. Because not only is Cap saving American soldiers and American lives, he's saving all soldiers, all lives against the enemy of the state at the time, which tends to, at this point, to be that first super villain group without being too super villainy themselves. It's where we start to see that 
the, the, the strong aspect of good versus evil and it in its at its purest form okay sandra you are up hit us with infinity war all right i'm gonna say first of all that all previous films laid the groundwork and they did a great job at laying the groundwork but it was just the groundwork what we have here is the big show all foes in previous films were limited in their power and the scale of their effects no other foe is as catastrophic as Thanos and what he has the ability to do. And he's been built up for years, since 2011, but even before then, when it was announced at Comic-Con, everyone was losing their minds for Thanos. Thanos is coming, Thanos is coming. Thanos is here now in Infinity War. Um, so he's been teased for a very long time under normal circumstances. Having something teased for so long, it's very easy for viewers to be underwhelmed because we have such high expectations. And yet Thanos blew everybody's minds. He wrecked so many people and made them immediately crave the next film, left us with so many questions. Uh, even the release of the posters were wrecking people. I was tearing up at work as I saw Shuri and I'm like, no, no, Avenge the Fallen. So the power of Infinity War extends even beyond the film. People know if you talk about the snap, they know the power of Infinity War even you know with amc when the the uh tickets went on sale and people couldn't get in you know you saw the amc logo with all the dust so <laughs> the <laughs> the effects of infinity war are beyond the film but just thanos alone you have all of these superheroes who what whatever they were fighting was kept within the confines of their own world or within new york city but it wasn't as extensive as what Thanos had the ability to do. And so they all came together to fight Thanos because this meant half of the universe's population would disappear and everybody had to come together for that. And even without having seen any other films and without knowing the connection, because I rewatched it and I'm like, you know what? You get it. You understand that some of them are meeting for the first time. You see Star-Lord and Thor interacting together and you see that there is um, kind of a newness to some of the relationships. And then you see the depth of some of the other relationships. So even without so many films before then, you can walk into Infinity War and still be emotionally impacted by that film and by the magnitude of the loss. Like no other film had a loss that tremendous. All right. You guys all ended with time to spare. I'm so proud of everybody. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay. Let me just make one quick note here and then we're going to move on to our rebuttals. So uh, Megan, you are going to start us off. So you have one minute to rebut against both of the other two. You ready? Yep. Go. Well, on the one hand, I commend your argument about how anybody can jump into Infinity War. I'm going to have to disagree with that wholeheartedly, <laughs> though. I went and saw Thor Ragnarok with my cousin at Thanksgiving, and every two minutes it was, who's that? What's he doing? What's going on? Why do they know each other? And I think taking him to go see Infinity War would have been insufferable. So it's not as easy to jump into as you, as, as you make it out to yeah. be. It's a great movie, don't get me wrong, and it's very enjoyable, but 
but only if you've done the homework ahead of time. Uh, as far as Thanos being concerned, though, you know what? He sat on that chair for way too long. <laughs> it's about time he got here. It only took him 10 years. <laughs> um, as far as uh, the first Avenger goes, you're absolutely right. It's a great period piece, but it's also kind of boring. Oh. <laughs> and non-essential. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I had a lot of a lot more feelings about Thanos than I thought yeah. I did. <laughs> I think I'm still a little sore from that snap. Yep. Hey, I, I'm feeling good here. Okay, all right. Well, that's good because it's your turn. So you've got one minute to rebut the other two. So go. Uh, I, I agree. Um, Infinity War. Yeah, not a good jumping in point. <laughs> you, you need the other films to know what's going on. You need the other films to understand why Infinity War is what it is. Especially, key film there is Doctor Strange. You have to, almost need to know what happened in Doctor Strange to know what's going to happen or what's happening within Infinity War. Now, Winter Soldier... Yes, Winter Soldier came at a point to save the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because just like any other Josh Whedon film or series, it was a very slow buildup. First two, three episodes, pretty decent. Then we went down a tangent that really wasn't necessary and didn't really do anything to help the show at all. Okay, then your we time get is up. <laughs> all right sandra you've got one minute are you ready go okay so first of all you mentioned that you are still sore about the snap and i will just take that as proof that the that film has such power it's just resonating in people still um and it is 100 percent worth the homework so i will grant you that it is absolutely worth the homework but you know what People jumped into the Lord of the Rings and they had no explanation as to why Gandalf had whatever powers he had. Same thing with, um, you know, like uh, other um, other characters. You know, they don't necessarily have to have an origin story to just jump in and be able to try to figure it out. Um, so regarding um, Infinity War, yeah, I feel like it's, it's still resonating with people. So it does have the power. Concerning... Um, Winter Soldier and Captain America. While I love Captain America and the period piece that it brings, I, I love that film, and I think it was a good one. Again, it's the groundwork for Infinity War, and with Winter Soldier, I mean, what even happened? Your time is up. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I needed to say. <laughs> okay. <Seatbelt> snap. <laughs> all right, so you have. You have felt the speed of the rebuttal. Yes. Woo, so remember hot. that for the next couple of times because that'll help you out. Okay. So time to award some points for round one here. I am going to say that our two-point winner for this round is Megan. Woo! Thank you. And I'm saying that because um, she had some good specific points for Winter Soldier to, out of the gate, but also because... She really did make the best use of that one-minute rebuttal time. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that'll be a good lesson for the next time around. Um, and I feel like the, the personal story went a long way. <laughs> 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 Added that personal touch. Um, and then I'm actually going to say, I think I'm going to give the one point 
uh, to Sandra because I think your hit back about the uh, snap being worth it, the pain mm-hmm. of the snap, I think that was good. So, Mike, I apologize, but you got two more rounds, man. <laughs> and, in fact, on this next round, Mike, we are going to start with you. So, why don't you go ahead and give us your second argument starting now? Well, let's touch a little bit more on this zero from hero aspect. Captain America, or Steve Rogers, he, he was a scrawny little kid, constantly bullied, but he never gave up on fighting and standing up to anyone and fighting for what was right. He found a way to get drafted, get you know, end up becoming the perfect candidate for the super soldier. Um, when ex- given the super soldier serum, it didn't change Steve Rogers like it did the Red Skull. It just made Rogers more eager to throw himself into danger in order to save lives and assure that evil cannot win. Regardless of who of those were in power and what they had to say. Despite the orders that were given to him, Steve, with the help with Peggy Carter and Howard Stark, went across enemy lines to try and rescue an entire battalion and destroy a Nazi fortress. It's this willingness to give his life for others ultimately caused him to crash into the Arctic, saving millions and ensuring that the Tesseract was hidden away from those who would use it for for the wrong doings. It's Steve is there to prevent the abuse of power, which is what leads to towards the end of Captain America Winter Soldier. He starts to get into the mind of Bucky to bring Bucky back to what he was and not what he has been. All right. Sandra, you are up. And go. Okay, I'm going to talk about the character arcs that we have in this film. So we have this huge cast of characters, and you would think that it's impossible to give them any kind of arc, but we have multiple characters experiencing an arc in this film. We have Loki and Thor, and you see Loki deciding he wants no part of Thanos' scheme. He's, he's not going to be his pawn anymore, and he sacrifices himself for his brother in front of his brother. So Thor, he sees this sacrifice, and even Mantis, she says that he's angry, he's anxious, he feels tremendous loss and guilt, and that propels him through the rest of the film. So even if we're looking at just Loki and Thor, or Thor specifically, you see that he has a motivation, he has a why for what he's doing and the extents that he's willing to go to, to even like put a star, like take the, the brunt of a star. He's willing to do that because of what he lost and what he can lose if he does, does nothing. Um, we see Doctor Strange and we see what he tells Iron Man and Spider-Man. He's like, I will not hesitate to kill you or to let you be sacrificed. And you see that happen. And yet when he's faced with that, he actually sacrifices his stone and gives it to save Iron Man. So you see that arc with um, Vision and Scarlet Witch. I mean, that's just so beautiful. It starts off with them together. And you think, okay, they're going to be off on their own. And yet you see... Ultimately, she has to 
kill him and he tells her it it's not fair it shouldn't have to be you but it's you and like what a powerful moment there are so many powerful moments where we see these heroes sacrificing and giving up what they absolutely love who they absolutely love to defeat Thanos and so she does that and you see how heart-wrenching that is to see her kill at her own hands the one that she loves um and and we see Gamora and Star-Lord and her asking him promise me that you will do this and she says you promised you promised and she's so emotional she's so heartbroken because she thought she killed Thanos and it wasn't Thanos um and then here she is facing Star-Lord and he he has to kill her and he makes that hard decision. Of course, bubbles come out of the gun uh, because Thanos, but, <laughs> but um, you see the, those moments where people are faced looking at the one they love and saying, okay, I have to sacrifice this for the greater good, which is defeating Thanos. And that is such a powerful story to see told multiple times in this film. Cool. Megan. So you said, what even happened in Winter Soldier? And I will tell you what happened. A story with substance. We have a rock-solid screenplay from Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. They wrote a tremendous spy thriller. It, it, not only is it a spy thriller that keeps you on the edge of your seat, but it has so much heart. You feel for all of the characters in this. Uh, you feel for Cap and Bucky. You feel for Cap being a man out of time. You feel for Bucky and not understanding his identity and not and desperately wanting to reclaim that. You feel for Natasha, who has lived a horrible life where she had, you know, she's had to become different people in order to survive the various regimes and people that she's worked for. She's had to do unspeakable things in order to, you know, stay afloat. And she wrestles with that, or at least and that really comes to the surface with a lot of her conversations with Captain America. And it's a fantastic dynamic seeing the two of them have to reconcile their different approaches because Cap is a man who will not compromise his convictions. And Fury, also, you really feel for him too because ultimately he is a man who wants to do good, who, ha who ultimately has learned through trial and error that trust is hard to come by and that you have to be very careful about who you bestow your trust to. Not only that, but the movie itself came out in a post-Licky Weeks, post-Patriot Act world, and the commentary presented in that film is still relevant today. And it's also like I've I've had numerous discussions about why the the ideas presented in this movie still resonate. The the fact that in this country we still struggle with freedom of information in terms of how much do you sacrifice uh, in terms of your freedom in order to remain safe. And that's something we have wrestled with as a country for the past two decades, and, and even longer than that, but especially in the last two decades. And this is a film that dives into that commentary, and the fact of the matter is, it presents no easy answers. There are pros and cons to both arguments, and it presents them as equal arguments. Um, but also, this is the truest portrayal of Captain America, not 
a poster boy as you know he was initially created uh, for in the world effort but somebody who will stand up to justice within our own government and within our own country that's what Captain America stands for and that's who's in this movie alright it's getting heated up in here I like it <laughs> <laughs> I will flip this table <laughs> All right, we're going to move into the rebuttal round. So remember, one minute, it goes fast. Mike, are you ready? I am ready. All right, go for it. Okay, the argument of Captain America being the poster boy in First Avenger, okay, maybe, but it's at the end of the film where he ditches the poster boy image, not in Winter Soldier. Second... With Infinity War, <sighs> I, it, just it, 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 oh, I'm, I'm speechless. It's, it, the, my argument is I'm speechless. It, it's it's kind of hard to. While the movie was great, some of the plots were were drug out and and kind of okay. Maybe it was necessary, maybe it wasn't. Just like maybe picking Affinity War for the argument. Sorry. I, oh. <laughs> I, I, I don't right. know. Time's I think up. Affinity War's cop out. I Okay. Sandra, how do you feel about that? No, I am going to say that is the most non-specific rebuttal to my argument ever. <laughs> like, that's a cop-out to call it a cop-out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I can go on and on and on about Infinity War, about the power of that, about how if you ask anyone what film they are most hyped about, aside from Endgame, it's because of Infinity War. Captain America and Winter Soldier, those two are forgettable films that again <gasps> laid the groundwork for the most formidable foe so i know they're like they're good films but when we talk about the magnitude of what these characters are facing captain america winter soldier and captain america do not even compare Okay, I think Megan is lifting up a chair, getting ready to throw <laughs> it across the room. <laughs> verbally, verbally. Are you ready? She just like uninvited me to drinks afterwards. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right, go. Forgettable, <laughs> forgettable. Are you telling me you've forgotten about that moment Cap looked into Bucky's eyes and said, I'm with you to the end of the line? <laughs> Heck no. The only reason why uh, Infinity War acts as such a great culmination to everything is because we know and love these characters and understand what they've struggled through. And Winter Soldier was not only set the benchmark for all of that, but also, again, it has that heart. And talking about the, the cast, yeah, Infinity War did an amazing job balancing, what was it, 67 characters? But... <laughs> It doesn't need to be that many for a solid film. Like I said, we have a handful of characters. We've got Maria Hill. We've got 
Nick Fury, Natasha, Bucky, uh, Falcon, and Steve. And that's enough. We get everything about them. And uh, <laughs> sorry, and I ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. I'm going to say the stereotypical thing of this is tough. That's what you always <laughs> say, right? Because it is tough. <laughs> uh, those were some good, good arguments, you guys. Just don't say it's a no for me, dog. It's a no <laughs> for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's see here. Mike, even though I don't think multiple size is necessarily a good argument <laughs> against <laughs> multiple size about Infinity War, um, I'm actually going to give Mike the two points on this one. I think... Um, your arguments out of the gate about the foundation of who Cap is, fighting bullies, willingness to sacrifice, I think that is some really, really important stuff to the MCU that comes after that film. So I'm going to give you the two points on that one. And then the one point, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to give the one point to Sandra on this one. Sorry, Megan. No one liked the social commentary in Winter Soldier? <laughs> I'm, I'm just I, genuinely I, curious. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one that loved that substance? That was dope. No, I think what I'm going for <laughs> is um, uh, I like how you laid out the different arcs of the different characters and stuff like that and sort of heavily supported that sort of singular point about mm -hmm. arcs of the characters. So I thought that was really strong. Okay, so after round two, it is a straight tie across the board. What? So oh, yeah. Well done, y'all. You did that on for purpose. Everybody. <laughs> I did not do that on purpose, but with only one more round to go, it certainly serves me well. We will not end up with a tie, so that's good. Um, okay, this is round three. This is your last chance before the final round. So right now it's anybody's game, and the, the top two that come out of this will be our two finalists. So this time around, Sandra, we are going to start with you. All right. Let me get the clock ready here. You ready to go? Yes. Go for it. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the power of the conversation, this huge moral dilemma that we're faced with. As viewers, we're looking at what it means to be a hero. And we see, again, Loki and Thor. Um, we see Star-Lord and Gamora. We see... Doctor Strange, Iron Man, and Spider-Man, and, and what they are willing to sacrifice. But then we see Thanos and what his idea of a hero is. And he talks about having the will to make a difficult decision. The hardest choices require the strongest wills. In his perspective, he is absolutely the hero. He is not in it for power, prestige, money, uh, you know, a kingdom, nothing. He is strictly in it for the idea of saving half destroying half to save the other half. And that's a huge moral dilemma. How do we understand that? Is he really a good guy? I mean, is he um, utilitarianism, uh, utilitarian? Is he altruistic? Um, he has this unselfish regard, in a sense, for the welfare of others in his mind. So he is willing to sacrifice little one, Gamora, <laughs> sacrifice her because of what he thinks is better and what is better is to have half of the population no longer hungry no longer struggling they will have peace they will have food and that's what he tells her look at the people um, where you lived now those children they don't know hunger and so for him that is good and we see it as so atrocious but really 
how do we understand a hero? Like after that film, we were just so blown away by what does this mean? Like he he's supposed to be bad, but is it really bad what he's doing? And just that that idea, the weight of that question of what does it truly mean to be a hero? Is Thanos bad? And look what he did afterwards. Afterwards, he was done. That was the only goal that he had. Again, not for power, prestige, anything. It's just to save. In his mind, he was looking at what he was saving. He's saving half. And when he was done, he sat down and he was peaceful and he had a smile and we were devastated, devastated. But again, looking at that question, what does it mean to be a hero? What is his, I mean, he can't be nihilistic because he's still trying to save people. So we're thinking of these deep philosophical questions from a superhero film. And I love that. I love that it causes us to think that deeply about who we call a hero and who we call a villain. Okay. Megan, you are up. Go for it. So one of the things that people who are critics of the MCU often talk about is the overuse of CGI. Sometimes the action sequences look amazing and groundbreaking, and other times they look like they could have been rendered on a PS2. Um, <laughs> Winter Soldier doesn't really have that problem. There is so much solid action because a lot of the action comes from practical effects. And not only that, the fight choreography, the stunt choreography, are all incredible. Uh, James Young, who is the stunt, uh, he he's also the 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 person who's the stuntman for Bucky Barnes in uh, most of the movies in the MCU. He's also a fight cho choreographer, and he does such an amazing job. I don't know for sure if he choreographed all of the fight scenes, but there are some standout, incredible action sequences from the hand-to-hand -hand combat that we see Cap go through on the boat at the very beginning of the movie to that elevator fight scene. Um, and the, the emphasis on the hand-to-hand -hand combat and the vehicle fights. Like, there are some highway chase scenes in this movie that I kind of think rival that of The Matrix Reloaded. Um, like, they were that incredible. But the hand-to-hand -hand fight scenes and the more focus on grounded, practical action give characters like Falcon and Black Widow and Nick Fury a chance to shine when other films have CGI characters flying through a CGI background with their CGI magical powers or their CGI laser beams, it, which, again, can look great now, but will it look good 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. One of the reasons why films like Aliens and Terminator 2, one of the, you know, uh, also amazing sequels, <laughs> talking about Winter Soldier being a great sequel. One of the reasons why those films stand the test of time is because of their reliance on practical effects. Yeah, they have some CGI in them, but it, they don't rely on them to create great action. And that's exactly what this movie did, is it created great action. You've got people running on rooftops. You've got people flying around, you know, hanging onto the edge of cars. You've got cars flipping over. You have incredible action set pieces that don't overly rely on CGI. And that makes for a film that will withstand the test of time. Okay. From a visual sense, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, you ready? Yes. Hit us. 
three words. Young Haley Atwell. <laughs> I say that because Peggy Carter, who ends up being the mo- one of the main motivators for Steve Rogers, while everyone's trying to climb the flagpole to get the flag to ride with Peggy, Steve goes over, pulls the pin, drops the flagpole, grabs the flag. Shotgun next to Peggy. It, it's the love that he starts to develop for Peggy, which helps him with that wanting to do good and jump into the fray, like I mentioned in my last point. It's Peggy that ends up being that that um, grounding rod for him to kind of pull him back a little bit and, and do things to protect her. Peggy is the, is the prototype strong female lead, strong female hero, long before Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, long before Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. If it wasn't for a character like that was developed with Peggy Carter, I don't think Black Widow or Captain Marvel would have been as strong and carried the strength like they do now. Same with even Peggy's um, Peggy's niece, Sharon Carter. The majority of the female leads, the strength develops from what they developed with Peggy Carter. Okay. Let's go into rebuttals now. Remember, one minute sneaks up on you real, real fast. Sandra, you ready? Well, first I'm going to say that I'm not here for a conversation that objectifies women as a prize for a test. So young Haley Atwell um, is just not worthy of of addressing. I think that um, I'm going to go to Winter Soldier, and I will say, yes, there are great, solid action scenes. Absolutely, the fight scenes are great. But I think what what people need and why we geek is because of the stories. It's not because of the action. It's not because of the practical effects. Like we think of Star Wars, it was the story and they have fantastic practical effects in the original um, trilogy, but it's the story. And you see like that Palpatine moment, you see that with Thor and Loki, you know, and Darth saying, no, I'm not going to be a part of this. And it's the story. The story is what keeps us coming back for more. Um, the graphics cannot st- stand the test of time, perhaps, but that's okay because the story will. Okay. And Megan, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Go for it. I have to agree. Uh, young Haley Atwell is a weird way of starting that particular <laughs> point. Um, but you know what? You're absolutely right. Agent Carter is amazing. And she's based off of amazing women in history who didn't get the, the credit that they were due uh, when hist- when after after the war. However, that being said, much like those women weren't credited for their accomplishments until well, well, well after the war, uh, most of what agent carter did to revolutionize the mcu is done off screen she founded shield off screen and agent carter is something that's completely separate from captain america first avenger anyway but to to so so to go back to uh infinity war uh winter soldier is a story that will test that stand the test of time and the uh as far as infinity war goes yes 
Uh, it has an interesting villain, but you know what? So did Winter Soldier. The time is up. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. With, with all of <laughs> there's a lot. Your time is up. Time is up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike. You ready for your last rebuttal? I am. Go for it. Now, I'm going to have to say, I do agree. There was a lot of great action in Civil War. And whether it Not was... Not what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, cool. <laughs> Let's bring in that one. He meant Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Winter Soldier. Sorry. Sorry, didn't mean uh, to eat into your... That's all right. I'll give you a few extra seconds because of that. Keep going. I mean, yes. Nice mix of CGI. Nice mix of practical. But Infinity War. We're going with someone is using their morals to murder... To decide on whether they're a hero or not, why eliminate half the population to save the other half when you've got the power to double your resources and save everyone? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, first, I'm going to say who's getting the one point on this one. Fair. And yeah. the one pointer on this one is going to go to Megan. Okay. Um... I do like the zeroing in on the effects. That's good, kind of focusing in your argument. Um, I, I like your rebuttal of how much of what Agent Carter does is off screen. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's some truth to that, so I'm giving you the one point. Thank you. Also, Agent Carter is such a fun show, and it didn't deserve <laughs> to be canceled. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> Hashtag save Agent Carter. Oh, man. It makes me so sad. Um, okay. So... The winner of the two points for this and going into the final round against Megan is Sandra. Oh, I'm scared! And, <laughs> <laughs> and here's why. Because, Mike, your, um, your rebuttal against Sandra about Thanos was very passionate. And you know what? I'm with you. I think he is a monster. He is not at <laughs> all a hero. He is absolutely evil and terrible. But... The fact that Infinity War created that conversation, mm -hmm. I think, was a brilliant thing for Sandra to point out. So while I agree with your rebuttal, the fact that you were so passionate about it actually works against you because it shows, <laughs> it shows how powerful the creation of that plotline even is. Yeah. So as we go into the final round, we are going to have... Megan versus Sandra. Mike, I'm going to ask for your opinion after they talk about this question, too, and you can help me figure out who the winner is here, okay? okay. So stick with me. So this is the part where we actually fight, right? <laughs> yeah. Not physically. I, I my, oh, I, I'll put my brass knuckles away. Okay, oh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll put away my switchblade and my, my Negan-style baseball bat. That's <laughs> next good. time. Next time. Ouch. <laughs> I already have a migraine. Come on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, the points are gone. Points are wiped. Okay. It's simply a matter of who wins this one argument will be the okay. winner of today's nerd fight. Oh, it's kind of like, uh, whose line is it anyway? The points don't matter yeah, The points don't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. They mattered at first, now they don't. Um, so here's my question. I will ask the question, and then we will take a brief break that, don't worry, listener, you won't feel the break as long <laughs> as we do, but uh, we will come right back, give you guys a chance to think about your answers, and then we will come back and have our fight. So here's the question. Throughout the argument, I think you both alluded to your films being something that will stand the test of time. I want to focus in on that a little bit more. And my question for you is, why is your movie still going to be the best MCU film 10 years from now? 
Okay, we are back. We've had time for our competitors to think about our moderator question. So, Sandra, as the winner of the most points from the first three rounds, you get to decide if you will go first or if Megan will go first. Megan will go first. Okay. okay. <laughs> Megan will be going first. So, same, same format. Megan, you get three minutes, and then we'll have a one-minute rebuttal later on. Okie dokie. Sounds good. So, are you ready to go? As I'll ever be. All right. <laughs> go for it. So, Winter Soldier, 10 years from now, will still be the best movie in the MCU because of exactly what I just described uh, in terms of the story having substance. You're absolutely right. In terms of the story will stand the test of time. I think that's true for a lot of movies in the MCU, not just Winter Soldier and not just Infinity War, um, but Winter Soldier for the... Uh, most part because of exactly what I talked about in terms of commentary. We are still, you know, five years after this movie came out, seven years, whatever, whatever year it came out, we are still struggling with information versus freedom. And, you know, how much are we willing to sacrifice in order to remain safe? How much of our freedom are we willing to sacrifice? That's been relevant conversation for the last 20 years. And our country isn't showing any signs of changing anytime soon. We are still struggling with that, and it's something that we'll continue to struggle with. And it's amazing that this movie was able to bring up that conversation in a post-WikiLeak world, in a post-Patriot Act world. And hopefully, we'll, you know, the conversations generated by films like this will ultimately lead us to a better world and a better tomorrow, which I think is what Cap would want. And sad to say, we are actually still dealing with the struggle of neo-nazis as well and so having having to combat hydra in the way that it insidiously in infiltrated shield is something that is very very real in our world you know we go to the movies for escapism but winter soldier actually strangely enough kind of called politics <laughs> in, in the years to come and I think it will continue to do so because the writing is that strong and um, it's a not only that but it's a solid sequel um, and that like I said earlier stands on its own everything that's going to be coming in phase four in the wake of endgame is a lot, most of it is going to have to be built from the ground up. We're, we're not exactly sure what's coming in phase four, but chances are it's going to be a lot of origin stories. And I don't know about you guys, I'm getting a little burnt out on origin stories. I don't know if I can watch origin stories for the next 10 years. <laughs> we're, we are going to have other sequels and Black Widow supposedly is coming <laughs> one of these days. And obviously we have Far From Home. But guys, I don't know if I can sit through 10 more years of build up for the next big thing. Ultimately, um, I think Endgame is going to fall flat in terms of the long run because it's going to be overshadowed by Endgame. But Winter Soldier doesn't have that problem. You mean Infinity yeah. War? Yes, so sorry. Okay. In Infinity War <laughs> is going to be overshadowed by Endgame. I said Endgame twice, didn't you did. I? You just really <laughs> want to see Endgame, which I understand. Which is, but yeah, it's going to overshadow <laughs> it. I'm sad to say. All right, Sandra, you ready to go? Yes. Go for it. Wait, how long? Do I, three minutes. Three right? minutes. Okay. okay. So in Infinity War, we have a culmination of years of films. So we have everything coming together for the ultimate showdown. It's all third act 
It is the intensity of A Quiet Place and Dunkirk, but for the MCU. We are on the edge of our seats, and one by one, Thanos captures another stone, and it seems impossible. And honestly, where we are right now, politically, in our nation, it seems impossible. The bad guy's winning. All hope is lost, or so it seems. And you know, they leave us there. That's such a rare ending. Think of La La Land, how upset people were because they didn't wrap it up nicely. Um, they leave the viewer sitting in that tension. And you know what? That's how life is. Uh, La La Land, if you haven't seen it, the, the couple doesn't end up together. Oh, I've seen so, it. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's a bold move. Infinity War is a bold move. It's a move that fits with life because sometimes we don't get a happy conclusion. Sometimes we lose people in the most horrific way. Sometimes we are defeated. Sometimes we are facing a loved one as we watch them die. And that happens. And that is much more relevant and relatable than a political societal issue. Although those are important, everybody suffers this level of grief. Everybody suffers this level of loss in some capacity, whether it is true loss of physical life or just a devastating breakup, a, a, you know, a, a career ending move. There's some sort of huge loss that is highly relatable for everybody because not everyone's going to agree on the politics. Not everyone will agree on some of the social issues, but they will agree that loss and the weight of that loss is devastating and the emotional impact of that in their own lives. And then what we see on screen, like Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. The weight of that will stand the test of time that we will always just think back to those characters and think of what they lost and our hearts will break anew. Okay. Megan, are you ready with your one minute rebuttal? Yes. Okay. Most important one minute of your life <laughs> right now. <laughs> don't screw it's this go up. Time. It's go time. <laughs> Let's do this. All right, go. So, it's interesting that you say that, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. If I'm going to watch a movie where Peter Parker dies, Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales better be there to right? pick up the slag afterwards. <laughs> I will say, though, you're right. There's a lot of, there's tremendous loss in Infinity War. However, all of that emotion is undercut by the fact that we know for a fact that a lot of what happened in Infinity War is going to be undone because there are already sequels planned. There's Spider-Man Far From Home. There's a trailer for it out already. We already know there's a Black Panther too. So yeah, the execution was excellent, but ultimately, it the emotionally speaking, it has the potential to fall flat because we all know that a lot of these characters are going to be back. It's there's a chance that there's some permadeath there, but that's an end game thing. That's not an Infinity War thing. So end game has that going. Doesn't have that going for it. I'm afraid. All right, one minute is up. Sandra, most important minute of your life. So I'm going to use. I'm the not overplaying this, am right. I? You, no, just a <laughs> little. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, go for it. <laughs> I'm going to use the argument that Justin used when he was talking about Endgame versus Star Wars. Uh oh. Um, the next episode, and he says even if it gets undone, the weight of that loss is still felt. You still feel the weight of that loss. Whereas with Winter Soldier, it's not as significant. It doesn't mean it isn't a great story. It's not as significant a loss as what we have in Infinity War. The, the 
all the people that we lose and the way in which we lose them and the things that they say as they're dying, as they're vanishing, we see the heart of who they are. And that is exposed in character after character after character as they just disappear in front of our very eyes. And they can come back or they cannot, we don't know, but the weight of that impact is still felt. Okay, so we have um, the lasting effect of sort of the political relevance of Winter Soldier versus the lasting effect of the sense of loss from Infinity War. Um, I like this. It's um, it's the intellectual versus the emotional. I exactly. kind of I dig that. There you go. You went for the heart. I went yeah. for a sort of like a grander sort of structure thing. Yeah. That's true. So I like this. I like this. It's That's a good, true. It's a the head versus the heart. So um, I definitely know what my choice is. But, Mike, I want to hear your thoughts on this before I say it. So tell me what you think. To say which is going to be last the in 10 years, I mean, it's a toss-up to me. Infinity War, because of the whole hype that came from it, the fact that this was a culmination of the current cast of characters that we have and and bringing in that last few of the, the new characters, I mean, there's such a big push. Whereas um, Winter Soldier... If you're going to focus on just one character, the Captain America franchise, I think, is beloved in general. And Winter Soldier does carry such strong following because it was such a strong book. Um, not only, you know, as, as Megan pointed out, the whole political, uh, the Freedom of Information Act and everything else, I think what was also missing was the fact that the conspiracy within within Shield to cause its downfall was another major factor yeah. uh, with that conspiracy theory? Um, now, similar to Three Days of the Condor, uh, which is what also inspired Ed Brubaker with the story, um, and it, and it just if you go group, Infinity War takes it. If you go solo. Definitely, Winter Soldier is, is the stronger. Um, it's, it's it's a close one, so it's a toss-up. That um, doesn't help me at all. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so uh, my vote goes first Avenger. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I, I never, still, wait still a minute. <laughs> Even okay. if I got um, this far, I wouldn't stand a chance. Can can I? I, I don't. I imagine your choice is already made. My choice is made, but you can go ahead may, and may speak. I? Yes. I think Infinity War uh, will, it is a pop culture phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I think it will stick in the public consciousness for a long, long time because it's a pop cultural phenomenon. But comparing the two, and, and of course, for like it, it will be studied in terms of like film class because again, what the MCU has done is so unique mm -hmm. and has not totally. been attempted for a long, long time, and certainly not to the scale that the MCU has accomplished it. But I think, again, in terms of substance, I think Winter Soldier is the more important film. Uh, and again, that it's it. it it kind of depends on what way you're leaning because like uh, 
they're both important. Pop culture is important, but so is, you know, the politics of what's going on in the yeah. world. So I, I fully accept whatever your decision is. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to say this is a bonus rebuttal that <laughs> I didn't get. So. It has no effect. <laughs> Don't worry. If, if you have, if no. you, but that's what I'm saying. Is that I'm Infinity confident War, in what I said. No, that's what I'm saying. Time. Infinity War is a pop cultural yeah. phenomenon. Oh, it's amazing how yeah. people who have not watched a single Marvel film have gone back and watched every single film in, and they've debated in which order, but they've done that so they can watch Infinity and, War. And to your credit, that's exactly what we're doing now yeah. is because of, you know, because Endgame is coming out. Yeah. We're having this conversation. Yeah. I've, I've been doing it. I'm about halfway through at yeah. this point. So, <laughs> Okay. So here's my journey. <laughs> Take us through at. it. Take us through it. So, like I said, you had the political argument versus the the the, the emotional argument, right. the head versus the heart. Um, I think at the initial arguments, I was siding with Sandra because you said that <laughs> the emotionality is more universal than the political. Can I just say, you're about to snap one of our arguments. I am about to snap <laughs> one of your arguments. That's Which true. came from <laughs> Infinity War. Yeah. Someone get the dust buster. So, um, and then when we got to the rebuttals, you went against that and said, well, that sense of loss could fall flat because we know a lot of those characters are coming back. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, at this point, there's one thing Sandra could do in order to take this. Oh, and she did it. Yeah! Because <laughs> it's true. The point that you feel the weight in spite of the fact that you know that those a lot of those deaths are going to be reversed, again, is just a credit to the film. Yeah. Just like the whole Thanos thing. So our winner for today is Sandra Demas, Yay! everybody. I'm going to give credit to Justin Weaver because <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel so good. Oh, no. Bye. <laughs> oh. Oh. But Megan and Mike, well fought. <laughs> Excellent you know, job. I, I ran 14 million different possibilities. And I still <laughs> don't think I won in this. <laughs> Mike and Megan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for My having pleasure. us. Sandra, congratulations. Thank you. First win, is it? No. No, you won the Batman one. <laughs> yes. That's right. Megan, remind everybody where they can find your stuff. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Once again, I do a horror show called Silver Screams with my co-host Katie Cullen. I do a Lost Retrospective podcast with my cohort Will Link. And I am a proud member of the Rooster Team. Uh, and you guys can uh, check that out as we talk about this season of Red versus Blue, Ruby, Genlock, all things Rooster Teeth. So be sure to go to Anchor and check that out. All right. Mike, remind everybody where they can find you. Uh, Twitter at Marvel Geeks, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Mighty Marvel Geeks, uh, also MightyMarvelGeeks.net, uh, Weeby Geeks, Wookie Radio, um, are as they are on Twitter, uh, Wookie Radio on Facebook, and Weeby Geeks PC on Facebook. Awesome. All right. Well fought, y'all. That's it for today's show. Special thanks to Megan Salinas and Mike M. Key for joining us. And as Daryl mentioned at the top of the show, if you missed last week's episode on the evolution of Thor throughout the MCU with Helen O'Hara from the Empire Podcast, be sure to check it out on our podcast feed. 
and on our blog at thestorygeeks.com. And don't miss next week's show on Captain Marvel. We have Marie Claire from What the Force podcast joining us on that. And we'll make it easy on yourself by subscribing to the Story Geeks podcast on your preferred podcast provider. If you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcasts, please share our show with a geek friend or review the Story Geeks podcast on iTunes. We're going to switch over to our aftercast, so I hope you'll join us for that as well. We'll be talking about Daryl and Jay's favorite MCU films and a slew of other MCU-related topics. Get more information on our aftercast and all of our other content over at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. What's up, guys? Jay Shear here to say a special thanks to these amazing people who help us produce the Story Geeks podcast by supporting us on Patreon. Anthony Holder, Adam Vargas, Alexandria Leonis, Brianna, Bryce Cox, Connie Moe, Jessica Pritchett, Jim and Marie Baldwin, Josh Beckham, Jeremy and Kimberly Lujeau, Nick Prokop, Monty Thigpen, Ray DeLeon, Samuel Peloquin, and Wade Johnson. To gain access to our aftercast and unlock more Patreon rewards or just to support the show, please head over to thestorygeeks.com for more information.